children of the world, parents of the world, this is for you. I'm Rowena. And I'm April. We are best friends and moms to five young athletes and sisters to Olympic champions. We have a mission to inspire our kids and your kids through the stories of champions. Who am I? I'm a champion. Who am I? I'm a champion. Who am I? I'm a champion. We couldn't be more excited to have Kai Lenny as our guest today. He is a man of many talents and extremely diverse in his sports. <laughs> sport or sports. He is a big wave surfer, stand up paddle surfer and racer, windsurfer, kite surfer, and foiler. According to the WSL, he is considered one of the this generation's ultimate watermen. He grew up and lives in Maui, Hawaii. He has so many accolades, and just to name a few, he won the Nazare Toe Surfing Challenge in 2020. He is a seven time stand-up paddle world champion. He is a world champion in kite surfing. And just yesterday, he won the Red Bull Biggest Paddle Award and the Red Bull Performer of the Year Award. He is incredibly innovative and continues to take his sport to the next level. He is a fan favorite and a friend of mine. And along with everything he has going on, he recently announced that he and his girlfriend, Molly, are pregnant with twins. What a ride that will be. Good thing you like to be challenged, Kai. <laughs> um, I also want to mention one of the biggest reasons we wanted him on our podcast today is because we know how important it is for him to give back to the future generation. And so we are so happy to have him. Welcome, Kai. Okay, take us back, Kai. Um, I want to know what little Kai was like. What, do you remember the first time you actually started surfing and when you felt like, I'm a surfer? Uh, you know what? It was the first day I ever I ever rode a wave by myself. And it was when I was four years old. I was on the South Shore of Maui. April, you would know the spot, Ukamehame, Thousand Peaks. And it just seems like yesterday. And now all of a sudden, I've been living this incredible life that has been based around riding waves, riding wind. And uh, I just feel so blessed and fortunate to be in the position I am in. But in that singular moment when I caught that wave on my own, and my parents were surfing down the beach, and I snuck away from my... Uh, my caretakers on the sand, I just knew that this is what I wanted to do the rest of my life. Like it just hit me. It was the most confident thought I think I've ever had even to this point. That's amazing because wait, how old were you? Were you about four? I was four years old. And uh, yeah, we were over on the South Shore. My parents got a break from me, the little Tasmanian devil, and they went out to surf the little outer reef. And I just had a board left on the sand for me to paddle back and forth. And about a hundred yards down the beach, there was just this little breaking wave halfway out. And for some reason, something inside me told me, grab the board and go paddle over there. And it was like a baby step. So, cause like, I was like, okay, I'm going to go pick up this board off the sand. I'm going to drag it into the water. Okay. I'm going to paddle back and forth five times. Okay. I can, I can go get that wave. And once I was there, I felt like the same way I feel when I surf giant waves now where you're alone, you're out the back, you're holding your board and you know, you're nervous, you're scared of the unknown. What's going to happen? Like, could I drown? Like all those thoughts were going through my head at four and it was like a wave came and I remember turning my board around, paddling into it, standing up, the drop feeling really steep. I remember it so vividly, the water coming off the nose, like I was purling into the, the wave and I made it out and rode out the white water. And when I looked back to shore, you know, the parents that were watching me um, were all standing up and cheering and celebrating because I paddled out there and caught my own wave. And literally in that moment, it was probably one of the most euphoric things. And I would say it rivals any world championship I won, any awards I've been given, um, any rides I've had. I think that's still the greatest ride of my life so far. 
Um, and so that was like, at four years old, I knew what I wanted to do the rest of my life. This story is incredible. And it makes you think like, you're, you're going to be a dad soon, Kai. Congrats, by the way. So exciting. But doesn't it make you think like, maybe we don't um, give kids the, uh, I don't know, the deep respect that maybe we should like already at four, you're this powerful little being. And I actually had an experience sim- similar to you, but it was when I was four and I was watching someone at the Olympics do gymnastics. And I'm like you, I still remember that moment. That's what I'm going to do. I want to do that, mom. And it's crazy how it shapes your whole life, even at a young age. I, It's wild. Yeah. Like I'm really just looking forward to reliving that again with my kids. And I'm just can't wait to share everything that I have learned. And, you know, in the 29 years I've been alive, there's so much that I've learned about that would be able to help them, you know, enjoy the water more. And it's not necessarily push them to, you know, force them to do something they don't, but it's like kind of that guide um, of where to go, how to maneuver through the water, just to enjoy it more. Because for me, that's what brings me the most joy is just going out and riding waves. Right. And so I think when you're a little kid as well, you know, you don't know how to like, um, I guess, translate what's going on in your head into like, you know, you don't have the vocabulary yet. You haven't, your brain hasn't fully developed yet, but you know, there's some sort of like that soul that's within you. You, you almost feel like you're bigger than you are. And obviously when you're that age, you want to be like, I want to be an adult so I could do all these adult things. And then you become an adult and you're like, I wish I was still a kid. Um, (laughs) It's just like a full, it's a trap kids. Don't ever grow up. Um, but I mean, long story short, I think that, uh, you know, the going through sports is really positive. It's been extremely positive for myself and my brother. And, um, I think there's a lot of life lessons one can learn from doing something you really love, especially something that's active. And I was an active kid. So that's why I took so much to it. And, uh, it squashes any distractions as well, because at the end of the day, if the waves are good, nothing else matters. And we just want to go ride a wave. And uh, so it makes decision-making pretty easy. Well, I loved how your parents really encouraged that too. Let's actually jump into that because they were such an integral part in you becoming the waterman that you are, right? What did they, what do you really feel like they did right as parents to encourage you to get to where you are? You know, I think my parents were just really good about not letting us run the kingdom, you know, the little cat, the castle, Like it wasn't, you know, the uh, prisoners were not running the asylum. Uh, We basically were on my parents' program. And my parents, fortunately, loved surfing, loved windsurfing. That was like all that sort of existed in the water sports realm. And so we basically would go to the beach and spend our time on the beach. So we didn't even know the difference between, you know, not going to the beach. It was just seemed like something we would do as a family. And my parents were always so loving and encouraging and You know, there was just, they'd give us opportunities to do stuff. And of course we would like latch onto that uh, and and want to go do it. Um, But they never pushed us to the point where it's like, you have to go out, you have to do this. They would just encourage. And when they'd see we would be close to achieving something, they were able to give us a good little push and help us process the goal of that we're trying to achieve. Cause as a little kid, you want to win this contest. You want to be just like your heroes you've been watching and you know, you don't know how to do it. And so it was just nice for my parents to have that like ability to kind of like 
steer us in the right direction. And then also just be really truthful to us. They always talk to us as if we were adults too, like really straightforward and honest. And um, I think that made us appreciate them even more. Uh, so I'm just, I wouldn't be who I am today without my parents. There's just no way I could have be, could be at this level without them. And yeah, I owe them a lot. So great. Yeah. I hear this, uh, uh, yeah, so much in the champion stories we learn of. Um, did you feel like this desire that you had to be the best in the world? Did that come at a young age or did you have someone telling you, you could be the best? Um, where did that come from? You know, I think I've always, I've always loved competing and it was never to like, I want to go out and destroy my opponent. You know, I want to be better than everyone else. It was more that competition brought the best out of me. And it was like structure as well. You know, like I wanted to do every sport that I could possibly get my hands on. It wasn't like, I'm just going to be a surfer. I wanted to, you know, be like my heroes who at the time were kind of modern day superhero comic book characters, you know, before Marvel movies and DC comic movies, you know, before that, like I wasn't into comic books. I feel like I was existing in an era where none of that sort of existed. Um, so I really, you know, and this goes back to community, how important it is to have like local heroes, because it really does make a difference for you as a kid. And I was able to see something that was tangible. And I mean, I was watching Jaws when it was 60 to 100 feet tall and as a kid, you don't think of the consequences. You just know you want to be out there. And then all of a sudden you blink and you're out there. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I could have used a couple more years watching on the cliff. But at one point, you just got to go. And so I just grew up watching all these different water sports and became a product of my environment because they were being developed and um, basically innovated just before my eyes. The late, late 90s, early 2000s it was just an explosion and water sports was huge and people were rock stars. And it was, it was just like, how could I not want to be like those guys? And so, um, I mean, long story short, I definitely feel like I've become a product of my environment in that way. Um, we actually love to include the kids into this podcast because this is, this really is for the up and coming champs. So we actually yeah. have a question from Jet Reynolds, who's also my son. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to play it so you can listen to it and then answer it. Hi, Kai. Um, when you were little, did you ever want to, uh, did you ever like competing in little waves? Yeah. So I have always loved competing in small waves. And there was like this moment when I was, I think I was like nine years, up to nine years old. I'd win all the little kid contests, um, shortboard and longboard. That was a thing. You had to do both divisions. So you're always in the water. And so I, that was mainly on the South shore. And it's, and as soon as like, I got a little older and obviously the competition gets a little tougher, the older you get. Um, I was also like battling my confidence as well, because a lot of times I was doing like very solo sports. Like I was going windsurfing a lot at the time too. So, um, I didn't have the confidence to battle the older kids in these other divisions. And I would do competitions and not even catch a single wave, like not one wave, like for five competitions in a row. And I would just be so devastated. And it was like the only solution was to surf better, surf more, and try to figure out how to get more waves. But it was like I was an outsider. I think I was a black sheep to that surfing world. Surfing, especially at that time, was very clicky. Um, and I was doing all these alternative sports that weren't cool. 
But eventually, you know, I built my confidence up and, you know, by the end of, you know, my teens, I was like doing well in those surfing contests. But I spent majority of my time, you know, dedicated to stand-up paddling where I started winning competitions when I was 17 and eventually eight world titles. And um, that's when I kind of was drawn into more windsurfing and kiteboarding competitions. And it's funny how it's gone full circle now. I've been working a lot more towards surfing competitions and, you know, I still feel like a kid inside. So I guess most importantly, you know, it's best not to get discouraged and just to look at solutions. There's always a solution. And what is it going to take? It's just going to take, you know what, paddling into a crowded lineup when you, the least thing you want to do and just getting comfortable surfing with a bunch of people. You're probably not going to catch a lot of waves at first, but as soon as you start figuring out the codes and, you start seeing how everyone moves and, you know, surfing is just intense like that. It's that a lot of times it's more important about how to catch the wave than to actually ride the wave. Riding the wave is the easy part, but like maneuvering in a competitive place, that can be difficult. So it's just taking baby steps and, you know, there's a solution for everything. I think it's going to be so good for our long, young listeners to hear you say that you weren't winning when you were eight and nine and I mean, from eight to nine to 17, that's a long time. That's like patience to be learning and keeping at it. Was there ever a time when you felt distracted from people? Like you said, surfing was clicky. Like how did friends play a role in your life? What was, what was it like? I, you know what? I think I, I found myself gravitating a lot more towards older people. Like because my parents knew my heroes personally, I was able to hang out with them. You know, the Robbie Nashes, Laird Hamiltons, Dave Kalamas. So I'd end up hanging out with a lot of older crew because, you know, especially like I felt like when I was growing up, you know, water sports, there wasn't, I mean, there was like the dream of becoming a pro surfer, but there was still not as many kids doing that. And there was like, you know, no kids or very few doing multiple water sports. And it was just sort of like I could you know, if I hang out with my friends, I would go to a movie during the day or we'd watch video games and I just wanted to surf. So that's who I gravitated towards was like older people. And I think that kind of like made me uncomfortable with kids my own age. And that was just all me. That wasn't like my parents or anything. It was just like, I gravitated to what I actually wanted to do and what I was, you know, it was out of my comfort zone, but at the same time it was in my comfort zone because every time I just looked at them, you know, I felt inspired and they didn't have to do much for me to be inspired. Like a simple hello or pat on the back, like that was a great wave would just make my day. And, um, and so I think, you know, the hardest part without being a click is just, you know, no kids ever really hung out with me or saw me. And, you know, I just wasn't a part of like their world until a little contest would come on the North shore and we'd go to Hokipa and, you know, I was an easy person to paddle around because it was just, there was, they didn't even know me. It was like, Oh, I'll just paddle around that kid. And, you know, I was small for a long time, a really little kid. And a lot of the kids were a little bit bigger and older. So, you know, when you're a kid, you're intimidated sometimes by that, but those experiences were the best thing ever for me because, you know, it just now no one paddles deeper than me in big waves, especially. So it's like, that is um. the whole, um, that it's what you learn as a kid will translate to when you're older, but you can't give up. And so I made a goal of mine. The number one thing was like never quit at anything, no matter how bad I wanted to, because I never wanted it to become a habit. Um, cause it's the easy way out. So, 
even if I was losing, I would just take that mental trauma or like that embarrassment and just try to like wear it and almost enjoy it because I knew down the line, if I didn't know how to quit, then I would just end up, you know, achieving everything I had, I wanted and everything I've put my, you know, head towards and my path has never been straight. It's been like this windy curving road and I've been going with the flow. You know, I've been able to achieve a lot of things that I don't think, you know, if you ask my younger self, I really could have like, did I really believe it? But I never gave up. So I just kept to my goals and took baby steps along the way. That's amazing. And I know that you like thrive with competition. Do you feel like that's been a huge part of your path and your success? And tell us how you deal with like using that competitive spirit to really help you with your with your whole path, your success. Well, I'm like, I would say I'm definitely one of the most competitive people, but I think there's a way to have a light switch and to turn it on and off. You know, you don't have to be on all the time because then no one wants to hang out with you, you know, and, you know, being also really stoked for people that do well and, you know, honoring that, but then seeing it as motivation, you know, like there's a few ways you could be competitive. One is like, like, oh, I'm almost upset this person's doing well and I want to destroy them. I'm going to do better to destroy them. And then there's the other mindset. It's like, wow, I'm so inspired by what that person did. I want to do that. And, and so that was like doing competition has always brought the best out of me. My best performances are always with a jersey because, you know, all the other, you know, BS that's floating in the air or all that, uh, you know, doubt kind of just melts away because there's just, one objective. And so a lot of times when I went, like I just was, you know, won biggest paddle and wave of the year and performer of the year, which is, was my goal for the longest time in big wave surfing to, you know, win awards like that. Uh, you know, all it did was make me more hungry. Like I'm so excited to just go and train because this season I want to do way better. I just don't feel like I did as good as I could do. And so, but that is the mindset I always live with. It's like, the wins are great, but it's the journey for sure towards that win. That is like what I love the most. And of course it's, I want to win. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I just, I'm already looking to what's next. Like, how can I get better? Cause I want to win the next one. And, uh, and so using it as a way of motivation and inspiration is been, I'd say the key to my success. I think that can be really applicable for a lot of things. You know, we hear people saying, oh, I have to get on off Instagram. It's not good for my brain. And and just hearing you talk, that kind of clicked with me. We have a choice. Do we use people as inspiration or do we let them make us feel bad about ourselves? And yeah, I, was that something that you were just born with or did your parents teach you how to have that mindset? I think I always had that mindset, but my parents were able to help nurture that. Um, mm -hmm. And I've always been a very focused person, uh, you know, almost to a fault, like too much of a perfectionist. And over the years, I've learned how to let go because you can't control the elements. You can't control outcomes. You can't control anything like that. And you can spin yourself out. So when people are like staring at their phones all the time and, you know, they might spend too much time in front of the screen and they might feel like depressed because they're not as good. It's like, if I look through Instagram or any of the social media um, and I see someone do something crazy, it's like, I'm so glad I saw that because that just fired me up. Me feeling a little bit tired where maybe I'll take a rest day or skip this next session is like, I got to go out there right now. And I want to, I want to do that too. 
And, and that just, that elevation, I think it's just how you, you take it. And now that we're living in a world of constant flow of media, it's so different to, you know, just looking at magazines or replaying the same VHS or DVD when, you know, we were younger, it's like everything is on tap. And I think too much, of course, of anything isn't great, but there is a way to be inspired by people out there and, and, and make you want to become better. Um, Obviously, I think as a young person, you don't need to spend that much time on it because you already have the imagination and your friends around you to help push you. Um, but if you do so- see something crazy, rather than being like, oh, I could never do that, the first thing that comes into your head should be like, I want to do that. I don't know how, but I'm going to do that. And then you just figure it out as you go. And you know, whatever happens in the past, you let go and it's just everything's a lesson and everything moving forward. You can look forward to things, but if you could really learn at a young age how to live in the moment and take every moment in, you're going to feel stoked and happy all the time. And you're honestly going to do the best performances you possibly can. You know, the future doesn't exist yet and the past it's over. Those were just lessons. You know, mistakes are a good thing. I've learned so much from losing. I've learned more from losing competitions than I've in fact learned from winning. And so that's why I figured out how to make winning a motivation because all of a sudden it's like, I could have done better. Even though I won, I could have done better. I want to go, first thing I do when I win any event or competition or award is I'm going to go straight back in the water. I'm going to do better than I just did because it's still not enough to me. And I love doing what I do. So it's easy. (laughs) Well, actually, let's dive into that more is how, how do you deal with losing? Um, I know we talk a lot about like how amazing your career was or has been and continues to be, but I know there's been times when you've not felt like on top of the world. So how do you deal with that? Oh yeah. More times than not, you don't feel on top of the world, but in some sort of way, um, the first thing that I kind of do, it's like, you could be angry, you could be frustrated, but never let it last more than 24 hours. You know, it's, I think it's okay to let those emotions run through. You don't want to like hide that because then that just makes you kind of neutral and boring, you know, like it's good to have like the ups and downs, what you get from the downs will help you on the way up. But it's just how it's like, do you do something negative with it? Are you angry at somebody? No, it's like, first thing you do is you own up to it. You know, everything is on you, especially, you know, in competition, it's like, what could I have done better? You know, it's no one else's fault. If you find yourself blaming someone, that's, you know, the first thing you got to change, you have to be able to look in the mirror and not be afraid to just be like, yeah, I messed up. Um, I should have done that. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world losing, especially when you're a young kid and you're doing these, you know, great events and it means the world to you. But, you know, as you get older, you just realize that those were like tests. Those were like little training programs. That's what's going to help you when you really make it to the big leagues and you grow up and, you know, you're on the biggest stage in the world. And so um, I think, for me, my, my kind of rhythm of it is like, you know, I kind of own the loss. I try to, you know, pick out why I was wrong. And then I also try to be as gracious as I can, congratulate those who won and, and done good. And, and then I go back to the drawing board. And in some ways, it's really nice because everything else up to that point, you have all this baggage that you carry your, with yourself to get to that point. Like I got to do this in order to do that so that I could get this result. Now, you know, the dust is settled, there's nothing left and you can rebuild. And so the fun, the rebuilding process is a fun as far. It's like, okay, I'm going to go 
instead of surfing for four hours, I'm going to surf for an hour and a half and I'm going to do it with a dedicated purpose. I got to do this move and this move, you know, and I'm going to do it with more dedication. I'm going to watch footage. Um, I'm going to, when I work out of the gym, I'm going to picture what it is that I want to do when I go back in the water, you know, like I'm going to visualize it. Maybe I won't, you know, instead of watching a cartoon, I'm going to watch, you know, my favorite surfer ride a wave, you know, and just repeatedly do it. So it's like looking at opportunity. I'm going to talk to my parents or I'm going to talk to my coach or I'm going to talk to whoever, how like, and ask for feedback and advice because it's good to bounce ideas. And, you know, a lot of people can guide you in a positive way and they see maybe something that's not as obvious. Um, it's always hard to look at yourself and try to figure things out. So it's good to bounce it off of other people and being just completely open as well. If the sooner you can be open about the whole thing, the faster you're going to move on and closer you'll be to when it's something. <laughs> yeah. I um, Let's actually get into what you would think is, you know, obviously there are so many things that make you successful, but maybe there's a few things that you could share with our uh, uprising champs, like maybe top three. What do you think the top three things are if you had to get rid of everything else that have got you where you are now? Uh, I mean, you know, that's difficult in a way because I feel like there's so much that goes on in my world that, that goes yeah. through that. But I mean, most importantly is just really do things for the right reasons, which is having fun and enjoying it for that reason first. You know, you're not doing something to win. You're doing something to have fun. And winning is just a consequence of having the most fun. You know, you always feel like you win when you're having a lot of fun. But then also being honest with yourself and then being honest with, you know, the people around you, you know, like being able to share those emotions with, you know, your family or your friends or whatever in order to help elevate. And then also too, just really thinking outside the box, not being stuck on a fixed path. You know, I think at the end of the day, we, we assume what is the right way to do something when in fact, you know, there is no right way. It's just, you know, it doesn't matter how you get there. You just got to figure out how to get there and you have to be willing to adapt along the way. So I think the key to my success has been adaptability, being able to change my approach every single session, you know, when something hasn't working, but doesn't work to go to the next level, then I'll just like change my mindset. So being very open-minded, being open-minded, not having a big head because no one likes a big head and then having fun. I mean, those are the three things you just got to worry about. I love it. It's so so good. Um, tell us tell us what a day, a normal day in the life high is. Not like a competition day, but just like a normal day. What does it look like? I think everybody uh, wants to know. I mean, fortunately, a normal day for me is probably the best day ever for anyone. <laughs> it's like waking up in the morning, going surfing. Um, you know, if I'm on Maui, I'm waiting for the wind to come up. So I'll go surfing, train, go to the gym, train with my coach, and then go out and windsurf and then back that up with kiting, kite surfing, and maybe pick out a sport like winging or foiling to finish the day. And then lately I've been really focusing on elevating my surfing skills. So I've been surfing with my coach and we've been doing more surfing than the other sports, but it's like every day is a day-to-day -day balance. But I guess at the end of the day, I'm fortunate. I can just go out and my job is to go train and be the best I possibly could be. There's a lot more to it than just that. 
you know, be able to build content and, you know, get filmers training specifically for something like a big wave event or a small wave event or a wind event. Um, so every day is sort of changing, but at the end of the day, I get to go on the water and I get to enjoy it and I'm living my dream. And, you know, there's no money on earth that I think could, you know, make it better than how it is just being able to have, you know, the support and the right equipment to ride a wave. You know, at the end of the day, I just want to ride waves. So you definitely live an extraordinary life. (laughs) Um, Yeah, which I feel like hearing you, it's really out there for anyone if they just decide. Like, I don't think you've, I mean, maybe we could talk about this. Are you, do you consider yourself like the most talented and like you have this extraordinary ability to get this extraordinary life or? I don't think that I, uh, I was ever the most talented among my like friend group. I think I was a lot of times the slowest to learn a lot of things. Um, the difference is, is that because I wasn't the most talented one, I had to figure out how to work the hardest. And then when I was working hard, I had to like, you really use my mind and figure out, okay, what are ways for me to get better? You know, I don't feel like still to this day, I don't feel like I'm the most talented one in the water. There's, there's, way more talented people, but I'm able to bring all these elements in together and get to get to where I want. And it might take a little bit longer than everyone else, but all those other experiences that I learn and I get really good at, I use like other sports, like let's say windsurfing to help my big wave surfing. And then I take my surfing and then that helps my kite surfing. And so it's all like, it's just been a buildup kind of like big Lego set of levels of like taking things that will help me over here and other things that'll help me over there. But yeah, I don't ever, I never felt like I'm been the most talented one in the room, but I was always the one that would never give up and I might work the hardest and I would be willing to sacrifice things, you know, like when I was a kid, one thing that I didn't mention earlier is I was okay. Like missing birthdays. I was completely fine you know, missing out on dances or whatever, because I knew this is what I wanted to do. And I, and I was going to do whatever I took to get there. And when people weren't willing to make the sacrifice, um, you know, I was, and that's why I'm, I am where I am today. And life is, you know, not fair for sure. You know, we all have our ups and down days. It's also, um, you know, you're not going to, it's all about compromise as well. You're never going to get everything that you want and you're never going to be able to do better than like, you know, someone you're competitive with sometimes. So it's about like just finding compromises and being willing to move forward off of those. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, there's, if you want to get to the top in anything, you're going to have to like choose. Well, you can see that. I mean, I know how hard of a worker you are and it's been amazing to see because I've known you for a long time now that how much your hard work has paid off and that you just continue to do it and you can tell that you love it, which is why you can see this all coming together, you know, your success. So I love it. And actually, you know, speaking of 
just your life and your success and everything. If you guys have not seen the life of Kai that Red Bull put together, it's amazing. You can look at it at YouTube. And I want you to walk, maybe tell a little story to everybody about what it was like to win at Nazare because that those videos are, they blow my mind. I mean, especially <laughs> for somebody that gets in a like two foot wave and gets scared. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, tell us about how that just walk us through the visualize, you know, that whole thing, because I think that was so amazing. Well, so, you know, it's like that event uh, in 2020 was felt like a culmination of everything that I've been working towards, you know, and dreaming of doing, but also the intimidation of, you know, big wave competitions are terrifying because you're balancing out in one hand, it's self-preservation. And in the other hand, it's competitiveness. And that event, I really made a conscious choice to throw out self-preservation and go with just, you know, com competition because I knew I had spent the last 12 years training for this moment specifically, you know, an opportunity like that hadn't come around until then doing a big wave tone event in the biggest waves ever competed in that moment. I just knew it was like, I, I needed to win this one. And I had a great partner in Lucas Chumbo, uh, someone who I thought was one of the best guys out there as well. And, you know, I was able to feed off of his energy and I didn't let all the injuries that I actually had at the time stop me. Actually, funny enough, when I flew in 24 hours all the way from Hawaii to Portugal, first thing I did, and it probably was a mistake and I was all jet lagged. I went on the jet ski and I went out to meet my partner Chumbo out in the lineup. And all of a sudden I just saw you know, three people in the water, a jet ski flipped upside down, boards everywhere, and they had gotten caught by a wave right before I came around. So I went and picked Chumbo up and we went to try to like collect everybody. And um, by the time, you know, that all happened, I was like pretty exhausted. And in that whitewater, it's just these mountainous whitewaters on the inside and it's just pure chaos. Um, eventually you're going to get in trouble. Uh, and I spent too much time in there on the jet ski trying to get out. And I ended up getting knocked off the jet ski, almost rolled on by this wave, popped up. My partner, Chumbo, goes running down the beach, jumps on the jet ski, it's on the sand, and he's able to drive it back out. But he doesn't see me and he goes through a wave and I pop up and he runs straight into me and I break a rib, you know, separate oh. rib. And not too much earlier, like a couple weeks earlier, I broke my big toe, uh, the toe capsule um, on my left foot. So I could barely walk as it was, you know, I could like ride a wave and do my tricks if I just forgot the pain. But now I was like laying in the water, couldn't breathe. Uh, thought, you know, getting pounded by giant waves, thought that my whole, my, I'm like, well, I'm going on a plane right now back to Hawaii. Like, I, obviously I'm, my foot feels like I could barely walk. Um, I've broken ribs, you know, I thought I punctured a lung. And then the next day was the big wave event. And I just made a conscious decision that I was like, no, I can do it. And I like completely just blocked out any pain. And the whole time I was fighting with myself, wasn't the injuries, but it was fighting whether I should do a backside 360 on a giant wave or if I should wait for the second one. And something in my head just like I couldn't let it go. I just decided I need to do it first wave because that's going to set the tone for me and the rest of the competition. And turns out that was the only wipeout I had. I did the big 360 the next day, landed, 
ended up airdropping and exploding at the bottom because I was testing out new fins, which was another mistake. Like, why was I using different fins than I normally would use? But I just was like so gung-ho on like, what is it that I could, like, if it works, I'll be that much better. You know, like that's the mental process. But you live and you learn. And I ended up having a great event and winning with my partner and getting one of the biggest waves I've ever gotten out there. And, you know, there was thousands of people on the cliff. I felt like I was in an arena. And normally when you're surfing big waves, it's just your friends around you a couple boats and you know the fans are the trees blowing in the wind um and so that was like that whole experience that 48 hours was super intense but it just made me realize we're able to handle so much more than we give ourselves credit for and that you know you don't necessarily have to go into a competition or anything at 100 percent. you have to be willing to deliver at 100 percent uh and and it's just it's a mind state Oh, this is exactly why we do this podcast to hear these stories. Um, yeah. When you when you were telling that story, this image came to my mind. I was like, oh, my gosh, he's like gladiator. He's a modern day gladiator. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it kind of feels like it feels like a little bit like Thunderdome, especially there. You know, we always joke that the place feels biblical. And the scary thing about Nazare is that, you know, over you know, human history, thousands of people have perished there, um, mm. you know, from fishermen, from like, you know, when Napoleon was trying to invade Portugal, they chose the wrong beach and ended up going to Nazare and, you know, lost thousands of soldiers, you know, on that mm. shore. He never, he was on the outside, but like, it's just crazy to, you can really feel it there, um, especially with that lighthouse castle on the the bluff there. And, you know, the last swell I was there, which was last October in 2020, there was 50,000 people on the cliff and I could hear them chanting mm. like so much. So I thought the cliff was going to collapse. And so you get into this mind state you, in a way, I didn't feel like I was only surfing for myself. I felt like I was surfing for them and I wanted to put it on a good show, which is motivation. You know, whatever it is, instead of intimidation, you turn it into motivation. And whereas you could be very intimidated by that many people staring down at you, especially in a sport where you never see anyone watching you because you're out in the middle of the ocean. Um, you know, I used it as motivation and had some of my better moments. You really Amazing. rise, don't you? You're <laughs> a guy that just rises to the occasion. I That's my favorite thing. Is, and, and you know what, too? It's like big wave surfing. Everyone asks me, how are you so fearless? And I'll tell you what, I am not fearless whatsoever. I am terrified all the time. But I think fear is the most misunderstood emotion there is. It's the most powerful. And that's why it's the hardest to manage. But if you're able to like take fear and kind of re-engineer it, you get so much more out of it. Like once I overcome my fear and first you got to let it, you first you have to accept it. Once you accept it, you got to morph it. And then whatever you put out from it, um, you're able to do things like I've questioned I've questioned moments where if I could ever do that again, I just wrote a crazy wave. I'm like, could I do that again? Like, I don't know if I could do that twice. And of course you can, if you can do it once, you can do it a thousand times. And you know, you back that up with that talk in your head. But um, the way you overcome fear is, you know, accepting it, staring at it, letting it come in and then realizing, okay, what is it that we got to do here? Instead of being scared of what could happen on the wave, I'm looking at the wave as what could I do on that wave? Okay, I want to get barreled. How am I getting barreled? I don't know, but I want to get barreled. I'm going to paddle just a little bit harder. I'm going to sit a little bit deeper. I'm going to line up with this position with that tree 
and you break it down into small edible bites and then it all, you know, builds into something bigger. And so it's, it's okay to be scared. It's actually the best thing is to, the more scared you are and the more you're able to harness that, the more powerful you become. And so I think a lot of people will go on the rest of their lives and not wanting to confront fear. But as soon as you do, you know, all of a sudden that pressure is gone and you have like, you have this ability and this clarity no one else has around you. And that's how you're able to do crazy things. And besides, I mean, I love that. Those are amazing tips for somebody to use, specifically use when they're dealing with fear. Do you have other mindset tricks that have helped you with competition or not, or just dealing with any of the stuff that you deal with? Um, yeah, you know, definitely when I'm not riding a huge wave, it's I love just visualizing. Visual, visualization is just the best. And the great thing is you can just do it anywhere. You know, if you need a little more motivation, put on your headphones, listen to your favorite song, songs, you know, multiple, and you just put yourself in that exact place. And sometimes it's hard to visualize yourself doing it, but you can see it as a third person. It's almost that 70,000 foot view, 30,000 foot view where you can like, you make, you separate yourself. You, I, I visualize how I'd want to ride a wave as if I was watching myself. And then I like constantly play that over and over again in my head until I'm the one seeing it POV style, point of view, exactly. And I've been on airplanes where I, I'll scare myself because I know the level, the consequence, and I'll start sweating and I'll shake a little bit, like my hands will get clammy, you know? And, and it's because your mind doesn't know the difference between doing it in real life and then what's going on in your head. So think about it, it's free for everybody at all waking hours. And if you're able to do those exercises and run them through, you end up finding yourself in that exact position. It's like you're manifesting it, but you find yourself in that exact position and it doesn't seem shocking anymore. It doesn't seem like the unknown. And that's why the best big wave riders tend to be the best or, or tend to be older, you know, like they tend to be in their 30s and even their 40s because they've had so much experience, there's not that wow shock factor. But I think a way you can expedite that without having to surf giant waves for 20 years is visualization. Mm. Just visualizing you know, what it is that you wanna do. And I know the best athletes in all sports do that, um, but it's finding what's right for you. Like I have a hard time meditating just sitting down. So I'll meditate when I'm out in the water in between waves. You know, I'll find myself getting completely lost and then I'll like almost come back to reality and there's a wave in front of me. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going. It doesn't have to be a big wave or not, but like, you know, it's just finding ways to navigate these waters your own way because everyone's different. We're all built different. So mm -hmm. that's like the puzzle. It's almost like a riddle you're trying to unpack your entire life. <laughs> How to get the best yeah. out of you. What age did you start using that tool, visualization? Do you remember? Um, you know, fortunately, because there was no social media, you know, you'd be driving the back of your parents' car on like a road trip somewhere or, you know, a lot of times it's like there was no content to like consume if you weren't home. So mm -hmm. I would just be constantly daydreaming. You know, a lot of times my parents were working super late, sometimes till like 6.37 at night because my mom was a doctor and my dad managed a restaurant and um, we'd be at school till dark. And my brother and I would make windsurfers out of cloth and then sew it to sticks we'd find and we would just use it as a visualization to mind surf so my brother was notorious for always having like 
something in his hand as a board and he'd just be like, he'd find like a leaf and he'd be like, oh, I'm in the barrel. And so like that's, it was from the earliest age, but yeah. learning how to apply it and like use it as sort of a superpower came as I got older, like knowing how to like really like get what I want out of it. That's amazing. I mean, I think that that works for all things in life, you know, not just sports, but just being able to create whatever you want in your life, just visualizing and actually being able to feel that. So it's so cool to see that that's, you know, a huge part of how you do what you do. Um, Okay, this is maybe very specific to surfers. And so I know that our listeners are not just surfers, but I want you to talk about it because I thought it was so cool. And I don't know if you still do it. But um, my son was really intrigued. And Rowie's kids don't actually even really surf and they were intrigued. And so tell us if you even do this or not, and maybe explain it. Tell us what what do you do when you get um, when you're held under for a long time, kind of your visualization of what what you do in in those situations. Yeah. So when I started surfing big waves, it was like, um, so terrifying and big waves are relative, like a 60 foot wave to me, you know, it could be a six foot wave to somebody else. Like that emotional response is the same. Granted a 60 foot wave will thrash you far worse. Um, I think, you know, for me, I was terrified of confronting it. So I would like retreat into my head. Like I would hide in my mind. I knew my body could handle, but I'm not sure like emotionally, mentally, my maturity when I started surfing giant waves at 16 could handle it. And so I would like do things like when I'd fall and I'll be getting thrashed around, I would hide in my mind. I'd have like this black kind of open room and I'd always visualize this little river snaking through it. And uh, Legos. I would have Legos of all different colors. And now my goal was to build a Lego bridge all the way over that river to the other side. And my goal was to actually finish the whole thing. And I would, to distract me, I would have like, okay, here's a white block. Okay. Here's a red one. Here's a blue one. Here's an orange one. And I was never able to build the entire bridge. I'd get three quarters of the way and I'd pop up. And I'd be like, oh, I feel totally fine. You know, and like people would be surprised that like, oh, are you okay? Like that was a horrible way, but especially when you're younger and, you know, they're not sure you can handle it yet. And so I would do that and and it would be a way for me to kind of like hide from the reality of what was going on. Um, and now because I've gotten, you know, with experience and comfort, I tend to like appreciate the wipeout and like, I, I'm always kind of like astonished how much my body can handle. I'm like, wow, this is really crazy right now. Like, I felt like I just got hit by a car. How am I hand- How's my body handling this? Okay, well, like, I should be coming up pretty soon. And, you know, the one time I did open my eyes underwater when I was a kid, it was the most terrifying view ever because I was like 50 feet underwater and it looked like giant thunder clouds, lightning clouds, like just twisting and turning and. I was like, I'm never opening my eyes again. I'm keeping them closed. And I still don't open my eyes underwater. I just like, I use my other senses to feel where I'm at. And I've gotten really good. And this is another exercise you can do is visualizing where things are. Like, okay, I feel my board tugging my leg. So it must be over here. All right. Like the bottom's over here because I could feel the pressure in my head. And, you know, it's about creating awareness with your limbs, like, knowing where your limbs are in space without necessarily having to see them where they are. Like, oh, I know exactly how my hands position. I can visually see it. I'm a very visual learner, but 
I've done that so that I don't have to rely on my eyes underwater. Because the last thing you want to do is see something scary or get the water, you know, pulling your eyes out. <laughs> yeah. So it seems to me like you just kind of let go as well. Is that is that what it's like? Yeah. Well, yeah. Just- like the ultimate, the ultimate message and uh you know kelly slater said this when he won his seventh world title back in 2005 he said you know i couldn't win until i let go and when he finally let go of all the other stuff he had going on it all just happens and so that's the thing too is you can train as hard as you want to do all of these things you know you can um you can prepare but at the end of the day you just got to let it all go And when, you know, I'm going along for this wave, I'm not coming up until this wave allows me, just relax. And that's the hardest part about falling in waves, especially in big waves, is the more you fight it, the worse it's going to hurt. You know, you're using up oxygen in your your body. And I always figured it was a metaphor for life every time I'd wipe out because it was just a lesson that maybe I needed at that moment, which was, you know, let go. Just anything that's weighing on your chest, just let go. The sooner you let go and the sooner you relax, the better it's going to be. And, you know, I'll pop up now from a bad wipeout when I properly let go, I'll come up completely fine. And having been stoked that I went through that experience, like I'm so glad I did that because it forced me to think the right way, which is like being in the moment, being present and, and letting go of everything. And it could be anything, you know, like anything that you have on your chest, but physically, I'm a very physical person as well, letting go, you know, the more you want to fight, the more you relax. And, you know, what you just said, I just love because everyone that we've interviewed has literally said something similar about being grateful and finding the gratitude and to find gratitude when you're getting thrashed. (laughs) It's just amazing. But that is a real big part of Uh, being a champion I think just from the people that we've talked to is just finding the gratitude in whatever you're doing yeah no absolutely I think like you got to look at everything good or bad it's a lesson and it's you know the lessons on the quest of being the best you could possibly be Um, even when you win something you still gotta I still love breaking it all down and trying to be you know I'm obviously grateful for where I'm at and you could get into such a rhythm where you forget that. But then at the end of the day, when I could just go and grab my board and go in the water, I mean, what, you know, people strive their whole lives to do that. Um, especially with the abilities that I have and the confidence I have to go into ways of waves of consequence. So it's like, it's definitely letting go, having that gratitude in the moment. Um, and like when you're really like in that mind space, you're able to do everything that you've ever wanted to do. Um, it's just, it's just allowing yourself to do it. You know, we're our own worst enemies most of the time. Is there anything that scares you? You know, let's not talk about the water sports, but in life, like, is there anything that scares you that you've been able to like use your lessons from your sports to help you rise up? Or are you just kind of like invincible now? Like nothing scares you. You got this. No, I mean, I'm terrified of everything constantly. (laughs) Uh, No, it's like, it's, but it's confronting things that you're scared about. Um, Insecurities, no matter how much you try to overcome it, you know, your natural tendency is to feel maybe insecure walking into a room with people you don't know, you know, that's, yeah, that's talking on stage. Um, Little things like that, but it's like just 
having the wherewithal to slow yourself down. And this is what I do when I'm riding these big waves is you want to run as fast as you can. You want to just outrun this wave. But the only way to do the best performance is if you slow yourself down. So it's in moments of high stress, having the ability to take a step back, slow down, see the room for what it is, and then walk in calm. Like, mm. no, like, okay, this is, this is the cards that I'm dealt. And play it like a game. You know, life is in some sort of way like a game. And allowing yourself that freedom to have it as a game is a good thing. Um, and so I guess, I mean, really it's about, um, you know, the things that might scare me the most is actually not having enough time to do what I want to do, all that I want to do. So now that every single session I do have in the ocean, I literally surf like it's the end of the world and I have to surf at my best. And we all have bad days in the water and we all have great days. Um, but then it's like taking those lessons from those bad days, go, realizing like, okay, I chose the wrong board. I chose the wrong approach. Okay, maybe I'm just tired. Maybe I actually need a rest day. And that's why rest days for me are the hardest because all I want to do is go, 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 go. I just never want to mm. stop. But that's been a lesson too. It's like, it's okay. Take a rest day, come back stronger the next day. I know that actually, because I've surfed with you before and it was like a really crappy day and you just were like going for it. And ha it was it was literally like, I was like, he's like literally surfing right now. Like this is the last day he's ever going to surf. <laughs> I was, it was actually like, I was, I, I felt that in the water with you. I didn't catch any waves for anybody wondering. Um, <laughs> I would love for you to share with us. What do you, what does it mean to be a champion to you? Uh, to me, you know, I guess being a champion is a culmination of all your hard work and the quest that you've been on to achieve greatness. I think we all have it within ourselves to want to achieve great things. And that is, I think, what separates us as humans from everything else is because, you know, we have that drive and that willingness to go outside of our comfort zone to do something that maybe on paper doesn't seem necessary, but to us, it means everything. Um, and so it's not just walking through life um, and just trying to get to the finish line. It's about <clears throat> coming in at 90 miles an hour and skidding out into the end of your life. You know, it's about pushing yourself the entire way. And um, it's, it's about learning how to not be comfortable all the time. Um, you know, it's, it's trying to be outside of your comfort zone. But being a champion as well is like the greatest champions are the ones that are able to take everything they've learned, um, win all these world titles, be the best, but then also just be the coolest and nicest person. Like, cause confidence, like within ourselves, you know, when you do something really great, you know, you, when you've done something really great, if you're doubting it, then you probably could have done a lot better. Um, and so I think people that have to wear it on their shoulders are obviously very insecure. Um, but we do it for the quest and the journey and, you know, the accolades is just the icing on the cake, but it's, it's about being better every single day. And I think that's what makes a champion, whether you win a world title that's recognized or not being a champion is being your best every single day you wake up. And even on your off days, it's about getting out of that slump to be your best with whatever you got in front of you. 
Gosh, I feel like you've given us so many. Like, I don't, I don't feel like, oh, Kai's so amazing. You know, only a few people will ever do what he's done in his life. I feel like everything you've shared is literally doable things that we can do and our young yeah. listeners can do. It's like super inspiring. Um, I mean, absolutely. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind, everything that I've done will, someone's going to do it better. This next generation is going to outdo me. And that's the best thing ever because it means the sport that I've loved so much, you know, the art form of riding waves and wind, it's, it's going to live on and evolution is constant change and, and betterment. And so if I could just inspire the next generation to be better than me, then I've done my job. You know, if I can inspire people to want to be the best of themselves, that's, that's the ultimate. And, um, you know, I'm actually looking forward to the day to see, you know, the kids pushing the boundaries and hopefully I'll be there helping them go to places that I could only imagine. Well, you have, I mean, even just with this, we know how, how many listeners are going to be so inspired, um, and play this over and over again, because (laughs) you really do inspire so many. I was, Jet was talking about it actually about how, um, how rad it is because you do, you said it in the beginning of the interview, like when people you look up to give you a pat on the back, like how much that means to them. Like when you have said, Hey, to jet jets, like Kai Lenny knows my name. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, why not? And he's like, it's crazy how much like that does mean to the young up and coming groms. And like that you see that and you know that and how important that is. Because when somebody that you look up to believes in you, just like what you had as a kid, it means so much. So thank you so much for being part of this tribe. Well, I, I still feel like a kid at heart. And so I know I still feel that way when, you know, I appreciate that. So, um, you know, the next generation has all the opportunity in the world, especially no better time than now. So there's a lot to look forward to. And I'm really excited to watch them. Uh, and so, you know, you might be listening and thinking, well, I don't live in Hawaii. I don't get to see Kai, but this is the point of this podcast. You can plug in and surround yourself with champions. You can follow Kai on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You're super active. You share everything, like be inspired, figure out what you want to do in life. Um, it's all possible. Yeah. And Thank it you so much. I think yeah. at the end of the day too, it's great to know. It's like, follow your passion, do what you really love. Um, and you know, if it seems impossible, that's all the more reason to go after it. And it could be anything. It doesn't, you know, I'm blessed to be in Hawaii and I'm blessed to be doing what I do in the ocean, but it literally could be anything. It's something in your backyard. Just always have it inside you to know that you can do great things and go and do great things. You know, don't wait till tomorrow. Just figure out how to do it today because that's, that's where we are at right now. I love it. Well, thanks again, Kai. We're so excited to keep watching your career and your career as a dad, which is going to be really fun to watch. So thanks again for being with us today. Oh, thank you guys. 